0: Welcome to the Wisdom Talk Radio Show, bringing you insight, illumination, and inspiration in service to the world. We are a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living, conscious business, conscious relationships, conscious community, and conscious evolution. Hello and welcome. This is Kathanjali Hemp and today I'm here with the wonderful Paul Zelizer. He is one of the first business and marketing coaches to focus on the needs of the conscious entrepreneurs and businesses. Paul runs a global coaching practice, supporting them in growing to the next level while staying 100% true to their integrity. He's also the former director of social media for Wisdom 2.0 and his latest venture is Wisdompreneurs. It's a global startup focused on bringing entrepreneurial skills to transformational leaders and to bring easy to implement mindfulness and emotional intelligence practices to the entrepreneurial world. So welcome, Paul. I am thrilled to have you here and to have this conversation with you today.
1: Paul, oh, thank you, Bethanjali. It's so good to be here. Good to hang out with you. And I'm really excited for this conversation.
0: Yeah, so, um, I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about Wizardpreneurs around what's alive for you in your life and in your business and what you're most excited about and how you're seeing um, community at work in evolving times right now.
1: It's a a great question. Um, I just want to kind of set the tone, the evolving times part, and then I'll tell you what my work life looks like because I'm an open book, but I want to just frame a story. I'm a storyteller. Stories are really alive and resonant for me. There's somebody who I know whose parent moved to your neck of the woods, Patanjali, actually. And as she was coming from an area that was, she had been a long time and moved to Northern California, she remarked on how much she enjoyed being there It was a beautiful place and the people were really nice, but how she was having some trouble making friends because it's so expensive to live there. That people are really busy and it was hard to get people to kind of stop and connect and really have that deep community that she is wired for. And it was such a poignant conversation. I really felt for her. And I know I've had moments of that myself of people reaching out to me or I try to reach out, you know, like there's, it's easy to miss that deep sense of community and connection that I think all human beings are wired for when we're in a culture and in an economy that sometimes moves really, really fast. And I just felt like acknowledging that and kind of putting that out there. And one place that if we choose to have community that's available to us, if we're looking for it, if we nurture it, if we culture uh, ourselves, in culture ourselves, is work. It's where the majority of us as adults anyway in a modern economy We spend the majority of our waking hours working. You know, I love my daughter who's 16 and is an amazing young woman. I I work more than I spend time with my daughter and I work more than I spend time with um, my friends. And that is really poignant and that is not true necessarily if you look back that we were working in a different way and disconnected from those closest to us. Of course, there's exceptions. But for the majority of us in a a modern economy, that's that's what I'm noticing. That's what I'm hearing. That's what clients are talking about, whether they're individual entrepreneurs that I work with or organizations that I consult with. So I wanted to start with that, just mindfulness 101, kind of like this is the world we live in, or at least a number of us, in large numbers of us in a modern economy. So what's alive for me is a number of years back, I burned out as a social worker, about 14 year career is beautiful. And I worked in these incredibly rich communities of Northern New Mexico, which are very intercultural and such beautiful wisdom traditions, whether it's the native people here who have been here for in some cases, a thousand years in the same place or the Hispanic community here and such deep richness and so much storytelling. But after a while of dealing with lots of trauma and lots of addiction, I burned out. And I reinvented myself doing this work that I do now around conscious business and conscious marketing. And what led to that was this insight that's kind of been the primary driver and awareness in my work life for the past 10 years is that we that that wisdom teachers tell us that our most sacred resource is our attention it's our single most precious thing and most of us spend the majority of our working hours in a modern economy at work and I just had this like it sounds so simple it's almost like duh (laughs) but I woke up to the fact that there's this concentrated human attention unlike anything else I could see or find around work because of just how much time we spend there. And that if we wake up at work and we wake up our workplaces and we build deep community there and we do things that increasingly are built on our values, it affects everything on planet Earth. So that's what I've been exploring for 10 years now, very kind of front and center. And I do that now with entrepreneurs who are doing amazing work, the values or wisdom or awareness based work and how to language that business through branding conversations, as well as what's the way to bring those conversations into the marketplace with authenticity and resonance. So that's the work I mostly do. I do do some consulting with organizations and startups as well.
0: I love all that you're saying, and I love um the conversation about attention and awareness and and how it's such a huge resource and aspect of our um, of our being of our choice of our power and our presence and I have the question, you know what are some ways that you like can you give us some examples about that level of community showing up in work how we can reframe things through perspective and through practice to kind of start to cultivate that feeling of community and um have more choice in the way we use our attention and awareness in our work world and life It's a great question
1: i think first of all is to just how do we framework is work this thing that i do that's just transactional like do whatever it is, and you do whatever you do, and is it, is, it a, is it a mechanical Newtonian presence I bring to the work, or can I bring an alive presence, a sacred presence? This is, yesterday was Labor Day, and one of my all-time favorite readings is this wonderful, wonderful piece by uh, the priest He's now passed by John O'Donoghue, and it's a piece about work, it was presented to me a blessing for work and it's such a rich piece. I don't have it in front of me. I'll send it to you after the call here. But do we bring like work as a blessing and the opportunity to connect and to be in relationship with people through our work? Is that, how do we treat that? Is it just like, you know, a ceramic mug? <laughs> or is this a sacred human being that I'm interfacing with, regardless of whether I'm wiping, you know, down windows or fixing their car or having a sacred healing conversation or programming a computer? There's always interactions with humans in there. You know, that's one piece. It's just what's the presence I'm bringing to the conversation? And then another piece that I would explore is the practices. And these can be formal if ideally, you know, to make work really come alive and sacred. I think to have some very simple practices. We want to be mindful that in our modern workplaces, people come from many different traditions. It's not fair to impose a tradition on somebody who's from a different culture or a different religion or a different background. But for example, one practice that really... I had been teaching it, but I had an awareness of how poignant it was, was I went into a workplace and we were having a conversation about emotional intelligence and how big a factor that is about whether a a team or a a work uh, group performs really highly or is less successful, is less value. And we introduced a very simple exercise called a metaphoric check-in it's from the world of emotional intelligence and it's just simply going around at the beginning of a meeting giving each person 30 seconds or a minute doesn't have to take a lot of time and using some metaphor like an animal or the weather or food to um give each person a sense of to share what's going on in their inner life in that moment and one of the individuals i'll call him john shared a story uh, he used the metaphor of a landscape and i 'm sorry the weather that 's what it was. It was the weather, and it was like a gray, cloudy day. He talked about how he was feeling like a you know it was very cloudy and rainy inside of him, and there had been a death in his family not too long before, but he was from a culture and just a tradition that men didn 't talk about their inner experience, and this was the first time, even though he had been like one of the most reliable and most esteemed people on that team nobody on the team knew that he was actually going through a hard time there wasn't a context or a culture in that workplace where somebody would come in and say you know somebody I really care about died and I'm grieving and I don't you know I don't really know what to do about that and it's affecting my work because I'm a human right and that very simple practice of just letting John talk about his inner experience through the form of the weather and that he was sad and it was felt like a gray cloudy day really woke that team up that they were coming to work and working with each other, but realizing they hadn't been paying attention on that level. They started to cultivate a different way of being together and started to check in with each other as humans more both formally using that emotional intelligence and other simple check-ins at the beginning of their meetings, but also more informally. How, how you doing today? And they meant that question, not just running down the hallway and say, you know, how are you doing and not waiting to hear the answer. So that's one, simple, two simple ways of like having our awareness of our presence and having some simple practices that can help us start to connect more as humans, not just as transactional widget builders or code makers or
0: whatever yeah what i'm hearing you say is also something about um stopping the compartmentalization that kind of happens sometimes and in humanizing the experience i think we probably bring more to more to projects more to our work and have more of a vested interest in having success and being on the same team and and what that can mean i
1: I remember the there's a um, consciousness creating. They create a lot of programs. Mind Valley mm-hmm. they do a lot of online work, and they had a piece where they decided to make February Fourteenth, which is Valentine's Day here in the U.S. and in some other countries, Love at Work Day. Um, and they, the way they made it kind of safe to talk about this. First of all, they made it very clear it was about a sort of caring love and not a sexualized love in any way. Um, they they talked a lot about that, particularly for women in the environment. They wanted to make it safe. But two, what they did is they just talked a lot about one of the biggest pieces of research about how effective a team was is, do you come in and like the people? Do you enjoy them? Do you look forward to work, to going to work in a relational context that feels good to you? And if you go to work and you say, I love the people that I work with. I love going to my job. The, the outputs that happen in the kind of innovation and productivity and the Willingness to um, be resilient and stay through when there are challenges goes way, way, way up. So they, they, that was one, how one organization tried to um, do something interesting with it, and that's caught on now. And they've made it, you know, Love the Work Day with the whole global initiative that they're doing. Right? But the idea behind it is that very much that humanization—like, hi, I see you as a human being, and we're here to get some work done. And you're not just this person who has this skill set; you're not a robot right you're feeling sensitive engaged spiritual being who's here who also has this skill set
0: yeah and you saying that um kind of segues into a conversation that that i get really inspired by and i think you do too but just kind of having a purpose or a vision or a bigger uh, connection to something bigger and being a part of something bigger in our work and in our world and um a quote that I often hear you connecting to or speaking with is from, um, let me see if I can find it. Um, it is possible that the next Buddha will not take the form of an individual. The next Buddha may take the form of a community, a community practicing understanding and loving kindness, a community practicing mindful living. This may be the most important thing we can do for the survival of the earth. Um, and so in terms of that, when you're working with different clients or different um, different groups of people and you're working as a consultant in different ways how much how much does the purpose of the business or the larger vision that the visit that the business is connected to how much does that inform your work or inform the ability for this type of approach to be more effective
1: Mm, it's a great question there's gosh there's so many ways i can answer that i'm just pausing for a second i love your questions (laughs) <laughs> you don't ask easy questions <laughs> good thing uh, what color are the shoes you are involved in? um there's definitely a lot of research about this good times i remember in 2009 i got to go to zappos and meet with tony shea and the leadership team and we were talking about conscious business and conscious leadership the wise use of technologies like social technologies it was through twitter and connections on twitter that I actually even got to be there and tony who is a real he loves to read they give free books or at least they used to haven't been to the headquarters in a while but they give free books in the um as you walked in there's a free library and he loves to quote books he loves to read books and one of the books that he talked about and one of the pieces of research he talked about over and over again was the book Good to Great by Jim Collins, which is one of the most researched business books that the world had ever seen. It wasn't conscious business at all. It was really looking at the difference, like I remember the example, the difference between Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And year after year, Coca-Cola products have outperformed Pepsi. I am not pushing Coca-Cola, I don't, you know, it's not about that. But the the idea, to give you a sense, these are very traditional businesses. And the single biggest finding they found about what they called, um, I think it was, they call them great companies compared to good companies. Pepsi was a good company, right? And it was doing well year after year profit-wise. But Coke, year after year, when you look through the decades, it was selling more. And the thing that surprised that, the researchers who didn't go in with a model, they didn't go in expecting to find anything. Instead, they said, let us just look at what is um, true by crunching lots of data with lots of computers and lots of graduate assistants at the University of Colorado. And what they found is that the single biggest predictor of these great companies was leadership that was connected to something larger than themselves. That sounds awfully familiar, that sounds awfully like a conscious business principle, but they didn't go in there teaching that, right? So it's fascinating to see that there was some traditional business research that was saying this is one of the biggest predictor of companies that really perform. And when we talk about perform, we're talking about pure, like single bottom line profits, things that um, a lot of people in the conscious business world, but, you know, we want more than that. We want we want social impact and positive environmental impact from companies. And I I think as we layer those on, it can have, it's like a synergistic effect. It can do even more good and it can have even more positive impact to how a company or somebody in a company can be providing more value and do more good in the world. The other thing I would say just research-wise is that millennials in particular, the younger, you know, as we go down in years, and I certainly see this with my 16-year-old daughter and her friends. The whole question of values and what does a company stand for becomes more and more important. They're not just interested, you know, about, you know, how do the shoes look or how does the food taste? But what's the intent of the company and um, what are their values and how are they living their values is becoming increasingly important. In our economy and particularly as, you know, the millennials come into leadership positions, that's going to continue to only grow. So I think it's an exciting time. And also it was really exciting for me to kind of look at some research, which uh, conscious business leaders have been talking about that for a long time. It's not just about single bottom line profits, but there's actually research out there that says we know this to be true and that research is coming not from people who have a vested interest I have a theory that this is true so i'm going to go out there and try to look for those data points and stuff them into my theory but rather people who just came in with an open mind and said let's look at what's true in terms of what works in business and came up with principles that sound like they're directly lifted out of a conscious business that's beautiful i love hearing
0: that and um yeah. And I love how you answered the question. And one of the things I most value about you is your capacity to answer difficult questions with depth and presence and how um, in working with you, I've had the pleasure of working with you in one of your groups that you really have the ability to not use a one size fits all approach, but really meet people and businesses and um, whoever and whatever you're working with, with a real depth of presence and authenticity with exactly what's arising in different moments in time and um, I really really value that and I wanted to give you an opportunity here to speak a little bit about some of what your groups are looking like now and what some of the projects you're up to right now look like how people might be able to work with you or find you
1: thank you Katanja. I really appreciate your kind words it's been such a pleasure to work with you I love what you do and what you're up to it's beautiful thank you um, well you said, you asked when we turned this recording on to, to to mention this. I'm doing a I'm doing a project that's um a retainer project and I'm excited about that. If there's people who have work like this, I'd love to hear from them and I'll tell you about the groups. I'm doing a retainer project for somebody who's a very significant uh player or presence in the Hollywood space. And uh, both in TV and movies, and wanted to get into the wisdom and personal development world, and has a whole series of, has a book and a, a online course and some other. Um, Workshops and things like that, doing this real depth-based work, and it's been really fun. It's been a source of community. In my like, there's six people that are working on this. And everybody's really good at what they do, and part of my job is sort of wire it together and get everybody what they need. Do some light project management in addition to marketing. So that's that's what I'm most known for is marketing work in the wisdom or awareness or wellness space. Um, and you know, I do it at that level, which is you know several days a week right now of my time, which is really fun. And then I work with people both individually and in groups around branding, marketing choices, and doing it all, like you said, not from a transactional mechanical place. You have to do Facebook ads because it's hot right now. It is hot and it's really cool, but you can do a Facebook ads, but it doesn't fit everybody. There's lots of reasons one would either use it or not use it. Coming up with a plan that your brand story does a lot of the heavy lifting because it's a good one. And then looking Honestly, openly, with a clear mind and an open heart about what are some of the possible strategies and selecting them and then helping people get good at them. If you're going to blog, then let's get really good at blogging. If you're going to make videos, let's get really good at making videos. If you're going to write a newsletter, let's write a good one. So that's that's what I see my role as, like almost like a server in a nice restaurant. Sit back, relax. Let's take a look at what your options are. Let's help you find the right exact uh, meal in this case you know ways of articulating your business and bringing it out into the world that a really really good fit for who you are and the kind of client you want to help and then let's help you find your rhythms and your ways of being with those marketing and business processes
0: Yeah. And just to add, again, having experienced your work, one of the things that I find really unique about you is your depth of personal practice and spiritual um, development or your commitment to it. And that you've also had many years um, as a therapist or social worker. And so your capacity to hold space and to feel into the deeper things underlying and going on and not necessarily focusing on that, but taking them into account and navigating and guiding that as part of the bigger conversation feels like um, a very valuable and not that common skill set that you bring to the table as well, and I know for many people who are doing depth work and have their own wisdom practices, it feels very good to really be seen and met and for that aspect of them to be acknowledged while making the decisions of moving forward a business and So I just wanted to speak to that too
1: Thank you gatonndra you 're really kind and I won't bore you with the details and I don't think we have time but yeah there was a there was a very poignant incident in my life at 17 years old and as a result of that incident spirituality became the north star of my life very young and doesn't mean I've been perfect or always practiced you know hours a day today it was 10 minutes right like that's just what my life looked like today but um it's it's a it's an intricate part of my life, and it has been for a long time, and that's who I love to work with.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. So how would it be best if people did want to work with you in the future? How would it be best for them to reach you or contact you or just find out more?
1: My website is paulzelzer.com, last name Z-E-L-I-Z-E-R. My email is info at paulzelzer, so you can send me a question, all kinds of you know, blogs and videos and group descriptions and all kinds of stuff on my site. I put a lot of time and energy into the site. So if you have some questions, go take a look there. And if there's something on there that's not answered, just shoot me an email and I'd love to connect with you.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much. It's been wonderful speaking with you today. And we Thanks,
1: have- and love what you all are up to with this wisdom interview series. It's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. Thank you for holding this space
0: of course. Thank you so much for listening and we look forward to speaking with you all again soon. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.